Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Welcome to today's program, and I am so much appreciative of you being with us here this morning because today we're going to go and answer your questions. we got several questions, and I just remind you that if you've got a question for us, simply send the question to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll get into those questions in the latter part of the hour, but first and foremost, a lot of people seem to be thinking that this the financial markets, I mean, we're kind of playing this game of recession, whether or not is that bad or is inflation which is worse and kind of the inflation threat seems to be behind us and we're more focused on recession well my guest today is the expert that's going to walk us through and give us what he sees on the horizon and what we need to prepare ourselves for his name is rusty leonard he is a cfa founder and ceo of stewardship partners rusty as always sir welcome to the program Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Jim. All right, sir. Now, let's just start start with this because, Rusty, it is so important. I think that, you know, people are concerned. And, and let me get just ask you, if you had to pick one and say this is worse than the other, is inflation worse or is a recession worse for us as consumers and the economy? Maybe that's two different questions there, just by putting in consumers and the economy. What's your thoughts? Well, they're both really bad, right? We, nobody, we don't want either one of those, and we've been blessed in recent years to not have too many of either, right? Too much of either of those things. So uh, we're all conditioned now to kind of think those are not uh, problems we have to worry too much about. But obviously inflation has come out of nowhere, and uh, well, I shouldn't say it's come out of nowhere, but we saw it coming, and unfortunately the Fed didn't see it coming. But, um, you know, it's a big problem. It's a huge problem. And I would say that if I had to choose between the two, I'd take a recession over uh, inflation. Inflation is just a pernicious thing that just keeps going and getting worse and worse if it was not dealt with. And unfortunately, you have to deal with it oftentimes via recession. If it wasn't dealt with, uh, you know, it just causes problems that compound over the years in many ugly ways. So uh, things are moving quite fast. Uh, the, you know, the financial markets are bouncing around, you know, between the concerns of inflation and recession and the, uh, the other Op option is stagflation, which is where you get both, right? You get a lousy economy, barely <coughs> barely growing, and uh, you also have inflation. So we, we got it. we're in a difficult time right now. There's no, no way around that. And the good news is that the inflation threat, as you noted, seems to be coming off the boil a little bit. But we are not – we're not to a place anywhere near to a place yet where we can say, okay, inflation, we can put that behind us. It's still a risk that we have to really treat seriously, and you can expect the Federal Reserve to do so. Well, I think that's the key, and I guess my question is, and, and in your, just for our listeners, I want them to understand, for you people that know this, and some of you have heard Rusty before, and he's a frequent guest of ours, but as founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, Rusty, you're a, you're a money manager. You're working with clients all the time, and your take of the economy is so critical in what you're making decisions. We've actually had you to walk us through your decision-making process before. We'll do that again in another program, but as you look at it today, does the investor need to kind of 
slow down a little bit on their assumptions that inflation is, is, is maybe likely to take a downturn? I mean, are you saying that you're seeing recession, so therefore we'll maybe see inflation kind of, you know, tick away? Or, or is that too optimistic at this point? Yeah, I, I, in my view, it's too soon to make that call on inflation being a non-issue. Uh, the markets seem to have jumped away from inflation and moved on to recession. I think they've uh, jumped the gun. Now, they may prove right in the end. We have seen commodity prices collapse. So we've seen, like, for instance, wheat prices have come down quite a bit. Oil prices have come down a lot. Uh, natural gas prices in some places, at least, have come down a lot. Uh, so there's been copper prices. I, I go down through a whole list. Chicken wings have come down a lot. <laughs> that's important. So we're that's right. The most important stuff, right? Yeah, it's I, coming down a lot. So uh, so we're encouraged that we have finally, after many months, started to see some progress that suggests that inflation is maybe not going to run away on the upside, and it may start to tone down a little bit on the downside. So there's there's reason to be. Uh, cautiously optimistic on inflation. However, the housing cost component of the CPI is the biggest part. And that while housing prices have seemed to have peaked and we're, we're starting to see as a result of high, high mortgage rates, that come down. Uh, rents are still on the way up. And I think that uh, we're going to find that inflation sticks with us a little bit longer as really as a, as a result of this housing issue. And, the, and such a big such a big component of the CPI index, and it's still kind of rising, that that's probably going to keep inflation at a level that will keep the Fed, you know, hammering away on the interest rate front, raising interest rates, which will, of course, eventually likely lead us into a recession. Well, that's the question, I guess. My next thought is, are we, to some degree, some people say we're already in a recession, we're going to get the numbers at the end of this month, but, I mean, I know some people define a recession as two negative quarters. I know the Economic Research Center adds a lot to that but the bottom line is for our benefit when you think of a recession do you see us already in a recession and, and you said the markets kind of already calculated that in and moved through that process so what's your take there are we do we i don't feel like i'm in a recession you know what i'm saying oh yeah no you're absolutely right and i agree and i don't think we are in a recession yet uh again technically we may have two quarters of down uh, GDP growth, which in theory, uh, if you want to go a very simplistic route, you could say, oh, we're in a recession. Of course, the politicians on the on the right will claim that we're in a recession. Right. They're already claiming we're in a recession. And, you know, for some people, for a lot of people out there, unlike you and me, it does feel like they're in a recession already. But we are not in a recession. The economy is actually still doing too well. And one of the reasons we're not in a recession is because the Fed, despite raising interest rates, is so far behind the curve that they, they have to go a lot further before they really start causing the economy to to shrink. And so uh, they are actually still in a spot where they are incentivizing economic growth just because they got started so darn late on attacking this inflation problem and they let it get way out ahead of it. So they have to raise rates a lot just to get to what we call the neutral rate, which is where, in theory, uh, the level of interest rate doesn't impact the economy either negatively or positively. It's at a neutral level of impact. Right now, where we're at, we're still stimulating the economy with, with what the Fed's doing, believe it or not. If you just tuned in, my guest is Rusty Leonard. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, a frequent guest of ours. And I just want to re just let you know what's going on in the second half of the program. I mentioned earlier, Scott Jordan's with me here at the second half. We're going to answer some of your questions. We got a question about, I've sold my house. What I do with the money that I've got excess and my 401k and the pension plan, I, I, I feel like I've got to make a decision between those two. A lot of questions. We're going to get to those. And also, 
We have with us coming up in the second half, Sarah Foster from Bankrate.com. She's an analyst. We're going to talk about are women more likely to feel stressed? Well, we're going to turn that around and say, do you feel stressed, period? You, the people that we're doing the program for, this is what we want to talk about. And here's the question. We're going to talk about the stress and how do you relieve yourself from the stress? How do you actually work your way around? What? How do you deal, alleviate that particular problem. That's in the second half of the program. But, Rusty, let me ask you this. You mentioned the Fed. I appreciate that. I, I guess I, Mr. Powell, um, I, I, I'm not going to grade him yet, but I'm trying not to be a Monday morning quarterback. Do you trust the Fed enough to say at this point that they're not going to mess this thing up anymore? I mean, they seem to be laid out of the chute, taking care of interest rates instead of beginning to hammer it last summer. What's your take on that? Well, my, my take is you can't really trust them to get this right. I mean, first of all, it would, for anybody, it would be hard to get this right at this stage of the game. They created themselves such a gigantic problem that, you know, even if they had amazing superpowers or something, they would have a hard time to wiggle out of it without causing a recession. So it's, uh, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. They really did create a big, big problem for them, for themselves and for the rest of us as a result. Um, they just kept that bubble economy going way too long and, uh, we're going to pay a price for that. Uh, so, but I don't trust them. Um, they. So, what happens, you know, psychologically? I think when you made a big mistake like they've made, uh, then you overcompensate uh, as, as you try to sort it out. And so, the chances are they're going to, uh, you know, overdo that, overcompensate, raise rates further than they should be raised. Maybe, you know, two or three times they might raise rates after they should have stopped, and that'll cause a recession, and maybe a deeper recession than they need to have caused to accomplish their. Uh, goal of getting inflation back down. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't trust them very much. Maybe they'll prove to be smarter than uh, we think. I hope so. I'm certainly rooting for them to be smarter than I than I'm think they're going to be. But the nature of the beast is once the Federal Reserve has lost its credibility, then it's going to do stuff, you know, overreact to regain that credibility because Federal Reserve credibility is key to the success of their operations. Yeah, no and, kidding. Uh, they've lost it. They've got to get it back. And so yeah. they'll, they'll pay any price. I hear you there. And, you know, you talk about credibility, too. And um, I was reading something here recently. I think it was uh, from Gallup, a Gallup poll that actually surveyed 900 people and said in the survey, you talk about credibility, said that 77 percent of these people that were actually surveyed. And this was done just last month. And it's kind of revealing. It says that um, these are registered voters that uh, they consider to be most people in Congress today do not deserve to be <laughs> rehired. Uh, has Congress lost its credibility the same way, think? I'm not sure it ever had any credibility. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, it's always, Congress, always polls very, Congress always polls very, very low. Uh, and it's the nature of the beast for voters generally to beat us as a whole, but to reelect their own congressperson every single time. So uh, it's a strange dynamic. I, I again, I'm not uh, a psychologist enough to understand why it is that that's the way it uh, happens. But yeah, Congress, uh, you know, that their ability to affect change is limited by the, you know, the fact that the government is split down the middle, and so they're they're in a bad spot to to gain anybody's respect because they have a really a limited ability to get anything done. All right, this is a question then. Do you find? Do you ever expect yourself to? Be on, I mean, a, a cheerleader for Joe Manchin is that where you where do you go with that? Yeah, well, you know, I'm a staunch conservative, right? And he's of course a Democratic senator, right, uh, from West Virginia. 
he's very much in the center of the Democratic Party. He's, uh, you know, he's not he's not on the loony left there. But uh, you know, when we lost the Senate, I was you know crestfallen uh, when they lost those two Georgia races, uh, the Republicans, because I thought, man, they're going to push through all kinds of nonsense. But thankfully for Joe Manchin, to a lesser extent, Kirsten Sinema, uh, he has saved the day. He has kept this country from devolving into a just a complete mess and so yes i'm cheering for a democratic senator and (laughs) if i saw him i'd pat him on the back i'd hug him uh which is you know not something i would anticipate i would do but he has saved the republican party actually uh in this whole uh whole last year and a half you know that biden's been in in the presidency right and he has he has operated with a degree of common sense that is just incredibly admirable you know, when we talk about economic updates and you, you go through this process, if you just tuned in, my guest is Rusty Leonard. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, investment consulting firm, and he's a certified financial analyst. And, and I appreciate, you know, your perspective, Rusty, when you talk, I mean, whether you're talking about Joe Manchin, talking about the Fed, recession, you know, inflation, but if you think through this whole idea, and when I guess everybody's talking about it right now, but where do you see when you talk about Mo Jansen? Mo, Mo Jansen, John, that's a real good name, John, John, Joe Manchin. I tell you, it's a, it's just a tongue tied. I'll get that fixed one of these days, surgery or whatever. But here's the reality: Do you see the markets creating a problem? Or, or, or the issues of the November elections being a problem? Or where, what's your take on the November elections? I hear this from so many people. They've all got opinions. I want to know what Rusty's opinion. Well, obviously, the Democrats are moving into this election in just terrible, a terrible spot. Things will likely improve, as we're already seeing gas prices are helping them, you know, by coming down some. But I, you know, you wouldn't want to be a Democrat running for re-election right now, and that's why so many of them have retired rather than face the wrath of the voters. Uh, so that the Republicans will take over the House, you know, probably by quite a significant amount. Uh, they will not, or I shouldn't say they will not, they may not take over the, the Senate. And uh, But even just by taking over the House, you further split the government and you uh, undermine anything that, you know, any of the broad um, things that President Biden might want to get get done. Uh, it's just not going to happen in the final two years of his term. So uh, so I think the, the implications are we may, you know, the, even if we win the Senate, too, on the Republican side, uh, all that does is just gum up the works for whatever Biden wanted to accomplish. And whatever the Republicans would try to pass, they're going to have a hard time getting it by, uh, first of all, the 60 vote requirement in the Senate to get most legislation uh, through. And even if they manage to get that through, it's going to be hard to get uh, past the veto of, of President Biden for any serious legislation the Republicans would want to want to do. So I think the, the net result is not much happens in Washington. And generally, the market's like that. The financial market's kind of like a split split Congress and, uh, and the inability for either one side or the other to push their agenda too hard. You know, we talked about this on the program last week or a couple of weeks ago, and it's one of those things that we think about. You know, if you look at histor- history and, and, and historical data about what happens to the market in the third year of the presidential after midterm elections, it seems the market actually does well. I mean, that's what history tells us. Do you anticipate the fact that maybe inflation right. being down a little bit? Is that what you see for the third, I mean, third year of Mr. Biden? Well, I, I, yeah, I think you'll. I hope, yeah, almost certainly, inflation will come down just because the Fed's going to, you know, bash the economy until it does. Uh, so we'll have inflation lower. Uh, we'll have a split Congress. Uh, so the 
so the elected officials in in uh, Washington won't be able to you know muck things up. They'll have to be they'll basically be sitting on their hands arguing with one another, but accomplishing little. And the market likes that <clears throat> because they you know if they go off one in one direction or another too hard, uh, they usually cause trouble for the for companies. So uh, so yeah, I could see how uh, it's possible that you know we get past the recessionary concerns uh, early. You know, late this year, early next year, and by the end of 2023, you could have a very, very good year for the stock market. Uh, that's, that's definitely a possibility. Okay. Well, that, that's what I wanted to hear. Now, I know you are recovering from COVID, and I so much appreciate the fact that you're with us today, and I thank you for doing that. And we, we've got some other folks in our office that have COVID, so it's coming back. I mean, maybe not as severe, but it it seems to be there. We are vaccinated and boosted up and maybe got an immune system, but it seems to be something that's really, I mean, on the horizon or at least being talked about. Should we be concerned about what COVID could do as far as shutting us down again? I, I sure hope not. Uh, as we approach the election, though, we've already seen in Los Angeles, heavily Democratic area, them talking about having you know people mask up inside and all that kind of stuff again. Um, so there's a risk that as we approach the election that people on the left will want to um, use that as a political tool and somehow think that you know shutting things down or do, you know things of that nature will win them votes. I <laughs> I hope they're not thinking that because I don't think that'll be true. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's possible. Uh, so in the U.S., I, I don't think that'll happen. I think common sense will prevail. I got COVID. It was nothing. It was a cold. It was basically a cold. For the vast majority of people, I think that's what it is. Obviously, there are some people who are at greater risk, and it's uh, you know they need to be you know, protected as best possible. Uh, I think the bigger risk is overseas. Like, for instance, in China, their, their um, vaccines are not very good. And so they've had to rely on shutting down their economy more in order to contain COVID because their vaccines are so substandard. So, uh, so anyway, that's something that could, you know, come back and haunt us. Uh, if China ends up, you know, having to shut its economy down, it's one of the bigger economies out there. Every time it shuts down, it slows global economic growth. And they've got other economic problems in China that'll keep them, uh, you know, in a, in a bad spot anyway. So, um, so yeah, I think it's something we still have to pay some attention to, but nowhere near as much as we did two years ago. Well, I appreciate that. Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, sir. It's always a pleasure for you to take time out of your busy schedule, and especially recovering from COVID, to have you on the program. We'll do this again in about two months because it's always good to get an economic update from Rusty, especially as we look at the horizon with uh, what's happening with inflation, recession, and the November elections. Rusty, thank you so much, sir. Yep, always a pleasure. Take all, care. All right, man. Have a great day. You know, we so much appreciate Rusty what he does, and Scott Jordan's going to step into the studios with us now. And, Scott, you know, Rusty always just brings a lot of information. I always love when you have me on the show when Rusty's on. I learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do learn a lot. He's just he's – just, he's got so much, you know, wisdom and experience – and he, he kind of has a tendency not to make anything explosive. Right. But I think he talks about it kind of from a standpoint of helping us all understand. What did you hear that was his message? Well, I think that, uh, you know, one thing that stood out was he does admit that this is a challenging time that we're going through. You know, the economy's in a transition where, you know, the, the, the big three, I guess, is inflation, recession, fears. And then, you know, what does that do to earnings? Are we going to get reports that earnings are going to be revised downward? And, and as you know, earnings drive the market at the end of the day. So, 
Um, but, you know, a lot of positive in that as well, not not this uh, fear of the world's falling apart. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. I appreciated the fact that he literally sulked about, you know, inflation Maybe as we see it begin to tick down some, and he was pretty positive for the third year of a, of the Democratic, you know, type of uh, the, the president. I mean, really, it's his third presidential year. We know the history. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but, but, you know, as, as you and I were looking, you know, coming out of the midterm elections, we, we normally do see some positive out of that. And I think, you know, what he talked about, the gridlock, the potential gridlock, could be good for the markets. I think that's the key right there. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that. But just to remind you, coming up, we have Sarah Foster with her from Bankrate.com. She's an analyst. We're going to talk about women are more likely to feel stressed. Well, guess what? What all Americans do, when you look at money, it is a stressor whether you like it or not. More often than not, women are affected by it. But how does it affect you? What can you do to eliminate the stress that you feel about money today? Don't want to miss that part of the program. That's Sarah Foster from Bankrate.com. She'll be with us when we come back. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money, and we so much appreciate you being a part of today's program. We'll be right back. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Rusty Leonard, Sarah Foster, Stewardship Partners, or Bankrate.com. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard and Sarah Foster only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, as I told you earlier, we got uh, a guest coming with us in just a second from Bakerate.com. We're going to talk with her. Thank you for joining us again. We appreciate you being with us this morning. As I've always told you, money can be a stressor for a lot of people. And, it, it you know, we talk about that whether it's a common concern in finances in a person's life and their family, it's money. And so that's the reality. But what we're going to talk about today is some ways that you can alleviate the stress that you may have about money. And here's the first question that I told you earlier that we're going to dive into, and Scott's going to help us answer it. Scott, this is a question from a lady. She sent it to Shoemaker Financial, that is, talk money at Shoemaker Financial. By the way, let me remind you that if you'd like to get a question answered on the air, simply send it to Talk money at Shoemaker Financial, or you can send it to the Rick's Powder Coating text line. The telephone number is 901-683-0989. That's 901-683-0989. And we will definitely get your question on the air. That's Rick's Powder Coating text line or Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. Either one of those will get your question. Scott, the question comes from Kathy, and I can almost read what she's saying and and maybe i know sarah's on the phone sarah why don't i just introduce you now sarah foster from bankrate.com welcome to the program 
Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you, ma'am. But we're going to ask you to answer this question, Sarah, so maybe you can dive in with us. But this question, and I sense what she's saying, Scott. I mean, it's, you can tell that she's got to make a decision. She is a single lady. And to what she says, I'm debt-free. You know, I don't have, except for a mortgage, and it's not a big mortgage, she says. But uh, she said, I've got my 401k. I've been working for 35 years at this company. I got a decent 401k, and I have a pension plan. And she says, they're telling me one thing, and, you know, she's getting a little bit of a mixed message, and I can sense that. And you can sense that all of a sudden, because she's getting all kind of messages, it's got her confused. Now, 401k and pension. Her question is, should I take the payment of the pension plan, or should I take it in lump sum? I hear that all the time. What's your thoughts? Yeah, we get this question a lot, and I think, you know, I would start answering that question by saying there's no cookie-cutter answer to that question. You that, mean this is not an easy It's answer? not an easy answer. So there's pros and cons to both of those. You know, whether I'm going to take a lifetime income stream of my pension, that's a traditional pension that a lot of people had those. Well, first of all, you're lucky enough to yeah, have one of those because those, those are going away. Right. Uh, the flip side of that is, should I take that lump sum and invest that on my own and take my own income off of that? And I think that decision really has to be made into the context of a well-thought-out and well-crafted financial plan of what you're trying to accomplish, what are those income needs, or what are those expenses going to be in retirement, and how are we going to solve those needs? And I think really sitting down and analyzing that will help you come to the to the answer to that question. Because like I said, there are pros to taking a pension income. It's in your you know, proverbial mailbox every month. There's a check there coming, right. you know, good market times and bad market times. There's that, there's that check coming. Uh, the, the con of that is most pensions, if they're not government pensions, and I don't know whether this is a government or corporate it pension. It was not. It was a corporate pension. Uh, but, you know, corporate pensions tend to not have cost of living adjustments in them. So you're kind of locked into that, to that payment for the rest of your life. And as you and I both know, you do have to account for the fact that goods and services are going to increase in cost over time. That's called inflation. It is called inflation. That's <laughs> So the, it's that's a topic definition. that, you know, I so, sense what she's thinking and she's, she's she wants to make the right decision because what they've told her, if she decides to do the pension, mm -hmm. she can't change that. Well, that's true. So, and that's why I think this decision has to be well thought through because it's a permanent decision. When you decide one or the other, it's a permanent decision. You know, if, if, if you go the, I'm going to invest this money on my own route, that does provide a lot more flexibility, the potential to have some inflation adjusted growth in that income. But with that comes uh, the having to go through the market volatility, right? So, again, it, it depends on the person. It depends a lot on their temp temperament and tolerance for risk. Uh, pension's a safer option. You know, like I said, it's guaranteed. But I, it's safe from the standpoint of that money's coming in. But it could be risky on the standpoint of, uh, you know, I'm trying to – I'm trying. I need cash flow to pay my expenses. Right. So am I going to have enough cash flow? And I think you have to run some projections on that. I think you've helped – I hope you've helped, Kathy, because the reality is I think what we're saying – is that she needs to have some counsel do you, sure. it's because that's a stressor for her. And that's why we've got Sarah on the phone today is to talk through that process of women fighting stress and going through the reality of, you know, stress is real. M women are more likely than men to, you know, to feel negative about money. And I can understand that. And that's really what's happening right now. So, Sarah, welcome to the program again. Let's just talk about that. Do you have a comment as far as what you think Kathy should do? 
Well, no comment necessarily, but I think her uh, remarks really kind of highlight what we found in a bank rate survey from uh, recently of this year, which uh, women are more stressed about their finances than men. And one of the areas that is stressing women out more is the preparing for retirement, I think. So we found that 41% of women say that you know, the thought of preparing for that day when you inevitably exit the workforce is associated with feelings of stress, anxiety, worries and thoughts, loss of sleep even. That's compared with 36% of men. And so I think uh, we can certainly talk about all of the things that are contributing to that of extra stress for women. But I think uh, the long story short is it's a lot, a lot of macro issues that women have really been stacked up against for generations. So you're saying that retirement, is that their number one concern within, when you're talking about from a standpoint of what you're seeing with bankrate.com, what you've done? Is that survey saying that that's their number one concern or is it the loss of the spouse or, or what, where does that come in and stack in as far as top priorities? Yeah, so we found in our survey that among the different areas that are stressing women out, uh, money is at the top of the list. And so that was even, you know, more than uh, physical health or worries about the health of families or even their relationships. I think uh, when you zoom in on the individual kind of personal finance events that are stressing women out, we saw that at the top of the list was the the fear of not having enough savings. Uh, Obviously, we tell everyone at Bankrate that it's very important to have a rainy day fund, but for women especially, Uh, They're contending with longer-run pay gaps, especially considering the gender pay gap, which gets worse even for women once they have children. Uh, That that was the top concern for women, followed by paying for everyday expenses, which I think are kind of related to all of these issues that we've already been talking about. You know, I think when I I look at this and, you know, we dive into this, Scott, we talk about this from being a certified financial planner where we're talking to whether it's a single mom, a single uh, divorcee, or you're someone that's just out there by herself, you know, that, or a widow, you can sense what Sarah's saying. We can sense that in the stressing of, of what they're going through by the questions sometimes they ask. And that's, um, I mean, in your practice, what do you sense that that when they when they come in, you know, at that point, we've got some of those right now that we're working with. I mean, you can feel that sometimes it's just adult children can produce a stress and a, and a problem. Boy, do I know that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. Uh, no, I, I think that, you know, and, and you see this in women and men, but I think I, I would agree that, that women tend to worry about this more. It's that, am I going to be okay? Yeah. And that's generally what they're asking when they come to see us. And I think that's what some of the structure of, of sitting down and doing a plan and looking at the numbers and running the numbers some of that structure can bring peace of mind to that type of question of, am I going to be okay? Because it's hard to know whether you're going to be okay. When you say, you know, they, they worry about not having enough. Well, the first thing you have to answer is how much is enough? What is enough? What are we trying to do? And and I think giving, you know, doing some planning can help with that. You did that recently with someone in the office where they we walked that person through. Again, they were going through some issues and, and, and you we kind of helped them understand here's the bucket of money mm-hmm. that you have and here's what this bucket of money can expect to produce if it's stressed. In other words, you didn't go out here and put some high return. You really walked them through kind of the minimums right. and that gave a sense of comfort for them. Yeah. It, I, it gives them that peace of mind of, again, you know, we can't plan for all contingencies, but you can stress test a plan and look out there and go, okay, 
what happens if X, Y, Z happens? What, what about this scenario? And, and when somebody can sit down and see that under those stressful conditions, financially, they're still okay. Again, that just brings that additional peace of mind. If you just tuned in, my guest today is Sarah Foster from Bankrate.com. She's an analyst, and they did a survey, and we're talking about the survey. And along with me also a repeat guy that's here a lot, Scott Jordan, certified financial planner. And and I guess, Sarah, I'm thinking through this process. You know, whether you like it or not, and again, I'm not trying to be, this is not a gender thought, but it's an idea behind the fact that when my wife of 50 years when we were raising small children she had a career but she was also having to be the caregiver for those children now she's got a 92 year old mom and she's the caregiver for that 92 year old mom are those responsibilities really leading to additional stress for that uh, for my for my wife or for any woman that's having to do that what's your thoughts yeah, I certainly think so. And I, I think the caregiving aspect is really part of the reason, not only why women are feeling more stressed about their finances, but also why they deal with gender pay gaps throughout their career. I mean, just think about even the coronavirus pandemic, for example, we see that pretty close to a, a million women are still missing from the labor force while uh, um, employment for women that hasn't recovered as quickly as employment for men. It's really eye-opening, especially when you think about the caregiving kind of angle here, because lots of women that I talked to for this piece mentioned that they feel like that responsibility really falls on them, Uh, especially, obviously, we've made great progress with uh, paid family leave policies, especially in the workplace, but uh, I op- what was really eye-opening for me was realizing that lots of women say that, you know, they were given a lot longer of a time to take off from work than even their partner or their husband. And so what I think that shows is that there's just this systemic kind of responsibility kind of baked into the system where women do feel like that responsibility is falling on them just inherently because they are given these policies. I think lots of women mentioned that they uh, preferred having equal paid family leave policies for both women and men. And so I think it's a really interesting kind of angle, especially uh, you don't really know what came first when it comes to causing stress for women. I think obviously, like we've been talking about, the gender pay gap is a part of it. And I think that's related to the caregiving angle. But I think for women, especially when it comes to personal finance, they might just be feeling like they have to wear so many hats out there and it just makes it feel a lot more difficult to really sit down and look at their personal finances. I uh, totally agree with you. I, I'm going to say this. My wife is probably listening this morning and I'll probably get in trouble when I get home. But I made a comment a couple of years ago in a, in a presentation I was making to a large group of people that our brain really doesn't uh, allow us to multitask. And I had done some research, and that's what basically the neurologists were saying, that our brains don't multitask. And I understood that, you know, you can only do one thing at one time, and that was it. Now, I have my wife says you are not a mother and you don't have a career, and you can't multitask. And she was, I mean, that became a comment from so many people that says, no, you don't understand multitasking, but if you're a woman, if you're in the business world, if you have a family, if you're a care, you can multitask. You can do it with not even thinking about it. I guess that's what you would say, huh, Sarah? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, what was also kind of uh, another woman that I talked to for this piece mentioned that, 
you know, part of the stressor of wearing so many hats is the need to feel like you're doing all of those different jobs as well and to the best that you can. But when you think about your career, when you think about being a parent, when you think about being a partner, when you think about even caring for elderly parents or other family members yourself, it's that's a, like four or five full-time jobs all in itself. And so that becomes very difficult to really focus. And so at the bottom of all of it is really money. I think money kind of is the, the, the underlying thread between all of it and obviously when women are feeling a little bit more stressed about all of these aspects of their life, it can relate to those individual everyday kind of stressors, especially as it relates to, to handling their finances. Well, that's that you're, you're so right. And I've got to ask this question. I think every listener right now, you are thinking about exactly what I'm thinking. All right. I've heard Sarah. I understand what she's saying. I feel the pain. So Sarah, here's the question. What I'm going to ask it if I was, well, what can I do? to alleviate the stress that I feel about money. Yeah, and I think it really relates to what we've been talking about all along. I think what's really important is noting that emergencies are going to happen. Obviously, right now, inflation is a major concern, market volatility, but those are all things that women and everyone overall can't control. So the best thing to kind of alleviate stress and anxiety it kind of relates about about money for example kind of relates to how the advice that we give people for eliminating stress and anxiety in their life about all things and that is really separating what you can and cannot control and so while you can't control how much prices have gotten more expensive over the past year you can control the different ways that you can prepare for those increases, whether that be by looking at your finances, finding maybe new ways that you could monetize different things that you're doing to boost your income, maybe focus on uh, looking at your budget, cutting out things that might not really work for you anymore that could be kind of a low-hanging fruit. I think, example, for example, I think streaming services are a really good uh, kind of easy way to cut back. But once you eliminate all of those different things that uh, – you can't control and do the things that you can kind of make progress in, I think that might make women feel like they have more power over their wallet and hopefully help eliminate that stress. Well, that's so, so important. Sarah Foster from bankrate.com. Sarah, thank you so much. We'll have you back on the program. It's such an important subject, and I so much appreciate how you've given us answers to eliminate the stress, to alleviate the problem. Thank you so much, and you have a wonderful day, lady. Thanks. You too. Great to be here. Uh-huh. Thank you, ma'am. Well, Scott, let's talk about some of the issues. We've got this problem going on in the market, and what would you say, and I guess I want to remind everybody, if you've got questions, simply you can ask those questions, and I, I think it's best for us to go ahead and answer a couple of questions, and one of the questions that I think is peer, is important, and this came from Let's see. Actually, it came from John. And again, just to remind you, you can simply send it to Shoemaker Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. That's Talk Money at ShoemakerFinancial.com. Or you can send it to Rick's Powder Coating text line. Of course, that's the, that's the line here at the station. The telephone number is 901-683-0989. That's 901-683-0989. We'll get that question. We'll answer it. We will definitely spend the time answering your question. John asked the question, and I get it. I get it. He said, I've been listening to you guys. I appreciate your show. It's very entertaining, and it's interesting. Very kind, very gracious. Then he said, 
the problem with it is, though, I have been fine, but now I am fearful. I get that. What do I do? Wow. It, you know, if with, when we go through times like this, and, and you know, I think uh, one thing that is good and that has been helpful, it's always helpful for me, and we do this with a lot of clients, is to kind of look back and get a little perspective from history and go, okay, we're not the first generation to go through a market crisis, not even close. <laughs> As you and I both know, the average intra-year decline in the market is about 14%. So on average, at some point during the year, the market is down 14%. So it's a very normal part of the market. Now, I don't think you can stop yourself from getting fearful. We, we throw sayings like they're like, you know, don't panic, don't fear. Well, you can't really control the emotions. It's almost a natural kind of a fight or flight emotion when, when things are going on like this in the market and you want to, uh, you want to do something to try to, you know, make yourself feel better about the situation. So what I would say to the caller is I understand that. And it's a very natural feeling to be fearful, but the key is not to make long-term investments decisions based on that fear. You know, we talk about that. Now, John, I think, is, is simply saying, uh, you know, I've done well up through this. I mean, first first quarter, down about 4%. Now, all of a sudden, the second quarter, down about 60 I mean, it's just been kind of a – and we've had, you know, that's two consecutive quarters – and we've had that before. In fact, yes. back to the 80s, we, we had, saw it a lot. Yeah, and, a lot. you know, even the Great Recession, we, yeah. you know, about 15, about not, excuse me, 15 months. Yeah. But the reality is that's kind of a, you know, as you said, historical. We've been there before. But what do you say about someone with the emotion? I mean, what he's telling us is emotions. I think, you know, I always go back to the fundamentals, and I probably sound like a broken record, but you go back to this this idea of we don't invest without a plan. We don't invest without a strategy, and we make sure that our investment strategy is long-term focused in nature and that our investment strategy is anchored to a well-thought-out financial plan. So when you have that in place and you understand what you're doing, you're following a dis disciplined investment process. Uh, we talk about it all the time, asset allocation, how much I'm going to have in stocks, how much I'm going to have in bonds, how much I'm going to have in cash. And that is all tied to what we are trying to accomplish. Also coupled with our risk tolerance and also our time horizon. So we, we develop that asset allocation strategy based on what we're trying to accomplish. And we don't change that based on short-term phenomenon or short-term news. We're always going to go through these times Market volatility is a normal part of the investment process. It's never fun. It's never comfortable. It's always hard to go through. But being a patient long-term investor is the way to get those historical long-term returns that are associated with the asset classes we're invested in. I, I want to talk about that more. We'll talk some more about that in maybe next week or something because I think there's some things when you talk about literally the fundamentals. That's what you're talking about, fundamentals right. of, of investing but one of the questions we've got, and we won't answer it today, we'll answer it next week, is how do I go about selecting someone to give me counsel, the idea of selecting a divisor? We won't do that today, but that was a great question. We'll get that next week. Here's the second question, though, that I think is so critical, the third question for today's program. And I think this comes from Ben. He said, uh, sold my house. He, you know, <laughs> he didn't say how long it took. Probably didn't take very long. Probably about <laughs> one weekend, maybe, <laughs> one weekend at the most. Right. He says, I uh, sold my house. I have paid off all my debt, 
but I have money left over. And, you know, he you could sense that he it's money that he wants to do something with. He didn't say, but he, he literally says, I have money left over. I am now debt-free. What do I do with the money? And that's a question that I think a lot of people would ask. He may or may not have been, been an investor. Kind of what you're talking about, a little bit of that emotion is what's kind of got him asking the question. And I fully understand what he's talking about. And whether you like it or not, that's a common question. I mean, you mm-hmm. got that money and it's like, oh, my goodness, what do I do? That's the question. And I think this this goes back to kind of what I was just talking about uh, on the on the previous part that we were talking about is sticking with the fundamentals. Um, knowing what to do with that money is going to be determined by what we are trying to accomplish in life with our finances. So I think I would encourage the caller not to, I mean, there's, you know, I get this question all the time. Is this a good time to invest in the market? And I, the answer is always yes, because it's always a good time to invest. Now, is it the best time? We won't know until we look back, Right. But, you know, you don't want to, I would have to know more from the listener about what they're trying to accomplish before I said, what, what should I do with this money? You know, because, it's, you're right. You can't just, it's not a blanket answer. Right. It's, it's, no, you know, not every glove fits every hand the exactly. same way. And we have to understand that. But I think what I would like to leave with Ben and his question is, uh, step back, take a deep breath. Don't go running to do this or do that. Don't right. lock the money up. So many times that's what they end up doing. And maybe three months from now or four months from now, realizing, of course, the market is on sale right now because it's down, but don't try to jump into something and do it in a quick way. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Well, it's uh, it's been a good morning. I tell you, I want to thank my guest, Rusty Leonard, obviously, Sarah Foster, and, of course, always, Scott Jordan. If you have questions for Rusty, Sarah, or Scott, you can reach them at, of course, our telephone number, 901-757-5757. I want to remind you that you can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. It's a, We appreciate that very much. We want to read some of the reviews views that you've been sending to us on the next program when we have a little bit more time next week by the way scott jordan and i are going to dive into answering your questions we have many more questions that we're wanting to answer we'll do that that's next week we're going to also talk about some of the fundamentals and some things you need to be sensitive about when it comes to investing. That's with also Jill Dyson and Ruth Abigail Smith will be with us. She's there from Angel Street, Memphis. You don't want to miss that program. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday again at 12 noon. If you have questions, just to remind you, talk money at Shoemaker Financial, or you can send them to Rick's Powder Coating text line. Just make sure it's addressed to me, Jim Shoemaker. I want to thank my producer, Tyler Springs, our guest in content coordination, Francis Fortner, production assistant, Laura Norsworthy, and compliance officer, Mr. Tommy Armstrong. I want to thank you so much for listening. You are such an important part of this program. Your questions are so valuable to us because we want to answer your questions because we are for you. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.